Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL Leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. On this week's episode, we have Teresa Katubig, CEO of Higher Level. But before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, Enterprise Bank and Trust, Go Brand Go, and the Tom James Company. Crafted using your exact measurements, custom clothing is the perfect expression of who you are or who you intend to be. It's about getting what you want, the right fit, the right fabric, the right details, the right style. Ben Lawler with the Tom James Company helps you choose from over 500 custom suit fabrics and 250 custom dress shirt fabrics. He can help you build your entire wardrobe, including suits, shirts, trousers, sports coats, and even custom tuxedos. To learn more, visit stlleaders.com. And now to this week's episode with Teresa Katubig. Teresa Tuba, welcome to the STLers podcast. Appreciate you joining me today. Thank you for the invite, Brian. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, we've known each other uh, quite a while. And when I started this podcast last year, about a year ago, actually, right this time, um, you were somebody I've always kind of admired your story of how you got started and and how you've built what you've built. And so I'm excited to really just dive in that today for our listeners so they can um, so they can you know hear your story. And so let's kind of start there. Let's start really um, what I always say is in the beginning, growing up and kind of what led to the start of what was extra help and now is higher level. Uh, well, first we started in 1995. I was actually, I'm actually a CPA by trade and was doing work for a um just a competitor, kind of consulting work. It wasn't competitor at the time. And um she was doing everything wrong, basically not paying the IRS, not paying workers' compensation, various things like that. And uh, when I realized that, I had helped her kind of get back on track with payment plans and things like that. And she ended up not enjoying a payment plan because it was getting into her checkbook. So she <laughs> away from the payment plan with the IRS. I'm not working for you any longer. So I um, actually went down the road uh, found a building. I had brought some clients to her business, took those clients with me and um, found a landlord that didn't expect a um, deposit and kind of set up some folding tables in the beginning. Again, bought a truckload of office furniture. You know, I, I jokingly say credit card and a prayer, but there's a lot of truth to that. 
Um, I didn't know what a venture capitalist was or a, or a mentor or anything like that. It was just kind of just make it happen. So that's right. what I did. Um, I had two, I was single at the time and had two kids and just knew I couldn't fail because well, I had to feed them. So that's right. what I yeah. So I, what I love about that is uh, the, the point you just made, you didn't know what venture capitalist was. You just, it, you rolled up your sleeves and, um, and you, you did it right. And, and I know, I don't know where your revenue is at today and you can share that with us here in a bit, but I know one time you were close to 30, you know, 30 million in revenue. And I'm sure you've surpassed that now by quite a bit. Um, but, you know, a credit card and a prayer, uh, as you say, um, it's a pretty remarkable story knowing that you, again, were a single mom at the time um, and just, you just made it happen. Yeah, we would, I would l- drive Fridays and drop off um, paychecks and pick up a check because, you know, there was, I couldn't afford receivables at the time. And um, luckily um, a bank said, hey, uh, let's get you an SBA loan, uh, pledge my house, you know, think that much about it, but you know, there I am, I'm pledging my house, uh, get going with the SBA. I mean, I operated many years with no loans at all and, uh, just really managed my receivables well and, um, put all my profits back into the business. So we now have a line of credit because we're at a whole different level, but, uh, you know, I think it's, it, it really is. It's, it is just hard work and just paying attention to, well, uh, to this day, right? The higher level is known. We don't buy post-it notes because years ago we'd tear off that bottom stub of the checks that were mailed out. And that's what we use to scratch paper. So everybody knows that I'm still frugal like that and don't buy post-it notes. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's good. So let's talk about some of the challenges. I mean, we've, we've talked a little bit about a couple of them already, but well, one, talk about the challenges of ages starting the business, but also doing that as a single mom. Well, I mean, some of it is just, uh, you know, we were discussing how, you know, your kids get in events and you've got to go drop them off. And uh, I can remember my daughter finally going, I need a cell phone because you always forget me at school. There's a little truth to that. But at some point I remembered her, you know, not that it was, I, I jo- this is really a joke with sure. she and I, but the poor little thing did not get abducted or she was, she was, <laughs> Um, but I think the thing, the challenges are no different single or, or married. I mean, it's still the risk. It's still the, you know, the just having to get up every day and just say, I'm going to make it happen and not letting team members see your stress or the, you know, and just looking at them going, you're going to get paid on Friday. And, you know, we, one of our big things here at higher level is, you know, nothing aggravates me more than us having a team member in the field that doesn't get their paycheck or whatever. And my internal team is like, oh, you just wait till Monday. And I'm like, do you ever wait until Monday? You know, never, never. Of course they don't. And you know, I think that we've really worked hard to make sure that 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 is back to, like, there's some questions about culture. And I think that's one of our culture items is, we have to walk, we have to have empathy and we have to walk in the shoes of the team that are, that is earning us our revenue and paying our bills. You know, we have to make sure we're really aware of making sure they get paid and, and that they're taken care of. Yeah. Well, let's talk about higher level for those who obviously don't know what you guys do. Talk about what you guys do and then, and talk about how you've grown over the years and reached revenues that you're at today. 
Yeah, so we're a workforce management company. Uh, we started in, well, the, as we were talking, Johnson City, Illinois. We were there about five years. Uh, we then uh, moved to Marion, Illinois, uh, which is just five miles down the road. Got a lot better location. Um, we've had locations, you know, Carbondale, Paducah, Mount Vernon. Uh, we moved into uh, the, our bigger locations, Edwardsville, uh, I think we're about 15 years in that location, uh, St. Louis. Um, now we're in, um, gosh, Indianapolis, Evansville, in Indiana, uh, Bowling Green. I'm sitting in Murfreesboro, uh, Tennessee today. Um, gosh, I know I've got more than that. <laughs> Where the heck they are. But anyway, um, I mean, I think what we've done, what what really has led to the growth of higher level and locations is we also own a payroll company. And the payroll company has kind of driven that expansion because we buy a payroll company and then we add uh, temp services, employment services to those markets. And that's really what has driven the uh, revenue. So, you know, when we're talking about starting the business, the other funny thing that happened, and I can remember it like it was yesterday, is that my receivables hit $100,000. And it was this huge deal. Because again, just being able to finance that and all that. And now I look at what the receivables sit at. And, and that number is, you know, with one customer for one week. And it is, which is a really neat thing for us to have that challenge. But uh, yeah, our, uh, we, um, our goal this year is 55 million. We are on track to do that. Um, and, and it's super exciting because, you know, the, the, what's super exciting about it is just the fact that we have to continue to add really great experience team and make sure again, and you've got, you know, some questions again about culture and, you know, one of our big driving forces now is just making sure we have the diversity to go with it. And, yeah. uh, you know, we, um, you know, I started in again, very middle-class, very white um, areas. And we've had to work really, really hard to make sure that when we're interviewing for positions that we're looking for that diversity, no matter what it happens to be, um, and that we don't really even get a, um, we just won't make a hire until we have a diverse candidate sure. within, the, within the, you know, that of who we're interviewing because we just have to, we just have to, you know, our um, team that are temps in the field are probably 80% plus diverse and our team, which we still have a long, long way to go to get to that, um, should should reflect that and to, because if you're going to have the empathy and be able to walk in those shoes you've got to uh, have team that can help lead that yeah so. absolutely well i mean just so for those who don't know i i worked uh for you for about a year back in the day and that 30 million revenue was our goal that year i think that was yeah. 2015 so just right. since 2015 to 2021 substantial growth and you, you kind of alluded to this already, but you kind of attribute some of that growth to the payroll side of the business, which takes you into different markets. Um, but there also has to be some additional, I would say some additional strategy as you go into these markets on how to get some of the clients that you get. So how do you, how are you able to move into new markets and make that market successful? Well, I think the main thing is uh, we do a lot with our current clients and we try to be very strategic about expansion with 
that client or with that. Uh, we do a lot of work in the third-party logistics space, so they have locations um, all over. One of the places, Murfreesboro, um, one of our biggest client is in this market. We're working, you know, we work with them to grow it. And, and you know, half the challenge right now is recruitment. I mean, yeah. you well, know, uh, we, it is brutal. I mean, yeah, it, well, that's the, that's really the next question is um, job market, right? I mean, I'm in it too. Uh, I deal with it too. And so how is the job market right now in the pandemic? And how did, I mean, how did that affect you guys from just a hiring perspective? Well, the nice thing, actually, during the pandemic, it was, we were fine. I mean, it during the actual, probably May of last year through December of this year. Not that it didn't start getting bad later, but, you know, the, there was a lot of, there's still a lot of people working. But, you know, you had a lot of restaurant um, workers that were out that were looking to kind of expand their uh, skill sets we recruited a ton with that. I mean, we would call restaurants and say, if you've got people laid off, we have a lot nice paying jobs. You know, pay rates we've seen have jumped substantially over the last year. And I mean, when I say substantial, I say 25 to 50 percent. Wow. In some of these logistics, uh, more entry level type positions. Um, and I don't see it going down. I mean, I think that they're going to have they will stay up. Uh, the pressure again to pay everybody else more is going up and um, which is again, back to the inflation and everything that's happening. That's what's, that's part of what's driving that. So COVID was great for our organization. I mean, I, you know, we're, we're in a space where we do all e you know, lots of e-commerce. Clearly that work is crazy. I mean, it's everywhere. And everyone is taking their, even even ones that had storefronts now are rolling them into e-commerce because that's just where it's at. And so, um, and that's our specialty to be wrong. Yeah. And that's, that's where our niche is and that's where we continue to grow. Um, so that's, that's where I attribute my growth to at this point. <laughs> sure, sure. E-commerce, it's a yeah. great thing. So, yeah. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank & Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit enterprisebank.com. And now, back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and let's start talking about more your leadership style and the cultures, what's inside your organizations. But, you know, it sounds like you're 11, 12, maybe 13 locations at this point, maybe more um, with continued, you know, ideas of growing and growing your footprint. How do you lead the organization from, um, you know, as the owner and the CEO of the company, how do you lead that many locations and that many people? And really, what is your view on leadership on how and how you're able to pass it on to your your managers who are also in those branches every single day? Yeah, I think the main thing for me is, you know, I supervise four people um, and I say supervise. I, I don't even really act like that's the word because it really isn't. Um, I, you know, I kind of mentor or help uh, make decisions with them for four people and they oversee one's the marketing department, one's operations for um the employment service operations for the payroll service. And then um, I don't think I've got that right. So we have, uh, yeah, 
eight, we have HCM operations, marketing, and then um, just compliance and safety. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, and really, that's what we, what I, who I supervise. And then um, the rest of them do the same thing. And we really, we uh, about four, and Brian, I think you were there when we started our leadership program. Um, we still are using those same books. Um, we have th- kind of a set of three. We have Oz Principle, How Did That Happen? And Change the Culture, Change the Game. It is basically a culture and that is what we work with day in and day out. Um, I think for me is we're, we really want people to own things. We, we don't want to babysit. We, we hire for people who want to lead and want to grow. And if their goal is not a career path and some, you know, to continue to move up, then you're really not a good fit for higher level. And um, that's a challenge that we've seen, you know, um, we make hires and they all think they all, Oh yeah, that's what I want to do. And then they go, yeah, I don't really want to do that. Sure. So um, that's the thing. I mean, I think just really empowering people to make decisions and, and make changes and bring things to the table that they see in their markets, because you know, we just purchased a uh, payroll company in Raleigh and in January, and um, we've added to that team just the payroll piece of it. We have not added employment down there yet. It gets back to your point of finding good talent, finding the right leaders, uh, making sure that we can uh, sustain that brand or the expectations that our clients have of higher level. We have to be able to do that before we can add. And sure. so. Um, it's I'm at where we're marathon runners we are not sprinters and we still work day in and day I tell people all the time we're the turtle we're the turtle slow down yeah we're in no hurry well yeah it sounds like you're obviously not a micromanager of any kind and, and really you're, you're trying to hire people that um, and empower those people to be leaders of the branch or the people that they lead um, and, you know, to your point, some people think they want to be a manager or some people think they want to be a leader and lead people. And when you get into that role, it's, it's a lot more difficult than you, you really think it is at times. I, I've been there uh, multiple times and, you know, you, sometimes you become friends with those people and then you have to reprimand them or kind of guide them down a different path. And sometimes that's an uncomfortable conversation. Some people just aren't cut out for that. Yeah, I think it was funny you brought up the word friend. You know, I think that um, it was kind of like your kids. You're, I'm not your friend. I mean, it, 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 you really have to just be able to differentiate. And, and like you said, I mean, there are people that, you know, I'm friends with pretty much everybody, especially the team that works directly with me closely. And we do things, but they also know that when it comes to we've got to talk heavy duty stuff, I, I'll do it. And um they've gotten really good at it too, understanding that this isn't personal, this is business. And we've got to make good business decisions based on, again, culture, needs, customers, whatever it may be that day. But that's how we're going to make a decision and um, what's best for higher level and and our longevity and our our sales goals. And, uh, you know, we've, we've really done a lot better job of getting rid of the shiny balls and not you know, it's so easy to get sidetracked and, and now we will call each other out on it. You know, when a customer comes and they'll say, well, we want you to go to some random spot. We'll just say no, because that's, we can't do a good job at it. Sure. And we consider a shiny ball. So, 
Yeah, well, and to that point, you know your you know you know your capabilities and your lane, and if you can't continue to have a good brand and a recognition around that by doing work that's more challenging for you, you you're aware of that, and I think that's also important. You mentioned some books that you um, that you I guess I have the team read maybe when they get hired, and it really has helped shape that culture. Tell us a little bit more about those books. List them again for us, and kind of tell them what made you choose those books to help guide the the leadership in the organization. Well, for many years, probably 10 years, we've had a uh, retreat at year end, uh, brought in consultants to help us steer us with um, just setting goals, you know, making sure we stay on track, all that good stuff. And so uh, one of those consultants had um, show or brought us the book Oz Principle, which is about self-accountability. And that's really staying accountable to yourself and actually your marriage, your family. I mean, it's really, a, it, I actually had a, a team member who left and now has returned say that book saved her marriage. And I'm like, really? And she's like, oh yeah, it saved our marriage. It saved my marriage. It made me realize I was not holding myself accountable, right? I expected my husband to be accountable to me. I expected all these things. But when I read that, I just looked in the mirror and thought, I'm, I'm not accountable to me and I've got to do that. So she, she says that. And so Oz, it's Oz principle is the first book, self-accountability. And then the second book is how did that happen? And um, the thing I love about that book is, is actually it leaves out two words. It's really, how did I let that happen? And it goes back into just really, um, looking at yourself as a leader and as of an organization and how do you let things happen? You know, because in the end, if you really think about turnover, just mistakes that happen, all that type of stuff, even people's behavior, it usually stems from something completely within your control that if you'd set out good expectations in the beginning, it would not have happened. Sure. Uh, people don't come to work thinking I'm gonna suck today. You know, that's not how that works. So, um, and then the third book is Change the Culture, Change the Game. And it really is just about putting all of that into perspective within the culture of our culture that, you know, we had a couple of what, you know, that's the tax team's job. That's the payroll team's job, where instead of it's the higher level team's job. Sure. And uh, we're working really hard again. What language are we using as leaders? What, you know, what, how did that, how did we let that happen? Um, and what do we do to change it and really lay out experiences and beliefs to change that behavior to get it where it is a culture of accountability on all levels, not just a payroll level or a placement level or, you know, it's start to finish. People have to be paid or we're not successful. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, the reason I bring that up is most of the people I have on this up on this show are CEOs of companies, right? And most people, most leaders talk about being a student of leadership. You have to continue to learn and, and hold yourself accountable, accountable, read books and, and continue to, you know, um, you know, change the way you think, change the way you lead all of those types of things and adapt to the culture that you're in. And so I, why I wanted to point that out was, that exact same thing, right? It's, you're not only, not only are you reading these books and you're, and you're continuing to be a student of the game, so to speak, but you're also empowering your employees and your leaders inside your organization to do the same thing. 
And so from a leadership perspective, I think it's very important. It's, it's one thing for the owner and the CEO to know these type of things. But if you're not able to relay that to your employees or your employees aren't able to empower themselves to do the same type of things, you're only as good as the people who are around you. So I think that's very important. Yeah, we started actually a leadership event uh, 1.0. We have we have two different sessions, and they are based around these books and the principles in the books. And the team members that have gone through those leaderships have kind of developed um, exercises that correspond with that, just that are very uh, focused to our business and just different ways they can put those into place. And then they train, you know, their fellow team members. You know, we. We have, I haven't done a try do training on the accounting piece of it usually, but other than that, the, the team that is handling this is that middle management to uh, just really help the career paths of others so then they can continue to grow within the organization. Because if they don't do it, it we can't grow. I mean, sure. we can't go into other markets, we can't. You know, we have different divisions now with call centers and recruit, you know, national recruiters. They all have to learn from this, too. And that's really been beneficial to all of us to do that. Um, yeah, you're so right on reading books. I mean, we actually interviewed someone the other day for a um, position. And they, that's always a question, right? What, what do you do? What books do you read? How do you? And, and that person said they saw no need to do any kind of reading. They really were good to go. Yeah, well, I think, I think what's funny get a about second that, interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I think what's funny about that is even if you, if you talk to any leaders in this country, I mean, even like a, a Jeff Bezos or, or anybody, they're continuing to educate themselves on yeah. a, a variety of topics. They're always trying to better themselves. And if you're not trying to better yourself, then you're just status quo at that point. And so I think that's extremely important. If you're going to be a leader out there, you're leading people that you got to continue to educate yourself. And, and, you know, my father-in-law always says, never stop reading, never stop educating yourself. It's the one thing that nobody can take away from you. Yeah. It, it, that's probably the one thing that I hate. And I know, Brian, you love networking too. And, uh, you know, conferences and things like that. And that's the stuff I love the most about networking and conferences is going to those events. And because they always find these speakers, right? That you're like, oh my gosh, this right. is so awesome. And then they always usually have a book or something to go with it. And you run out and you grab the book. And um, I think that's the thing, probably back to COVID that I hated the most. I mean, I know a podcast, you know, you do podcasts, everybody's kind of got their other stuff, but in person, hearing, feeling that energy just just doesn't go near as well through a podcast as it would. Absolutely. Well, I, I have a I have a networking group here in St. Louis that I own called First Cup Networking that I started probably five years ago. And we we meet the last Tuesday of every month. And we had our meeting today for the first time in person in 14 months. And uh, when I walked into the room and saw what we joked about as real human beings, um, yeah. it, it was it was it was great. Yeah. Hug central. I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Heck with that handshake. We're, we're all good to go now. So yeah. agreed. I mean, I, 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 we like in-person meetings. We like to, you know, um, we were lucky enough because we were in the centralist employee space. We seriously never shut down one day. Uh, yeah. Our offices were open. Uh, we were really careful. If someone had been exposed, they could work from home. Uh, people with kids clearly worked from home. I mean, even though we had a ton of kids in the offices too, but um, we just did what it took to sure. get by. You know, well, and it goes back to it goes back to you starting the business. You did what you had to do to make it happen, yeah. right? 
So I always end this podcast by really asking my guests um, the same question, which is if you could leave the audience with one piece of advice, whether that's personal or whether that's being a leader or owning a business, what piece of advice would you leave the audience with today? Well, I think it would really be, and I said it, I already said it earlier is, you know, be the, be the turtle. Don't, don't, don't try to, you know, do things. I I see these uh, venture, I, you know, I speak to venture people all the time with, um, arch grants and all that kind of good stuff. And, you know, they're always worried about being, you know, being, and I'm like, just get a business plan, stick to it and just keep moving forward. Don't you, this is not a race, you know, to the, it really just know that hard work pays off. It takes time and to be successful. Most people don't just hit the jackpot, take the time to be, you know, to work hard, frankly. Yeah work hard and do what you're supposed to do. So, and all that, again, back to learning. I mean, learn from others, listen to others and, and advice is always good. Absolutely. So. Well, Teresa, on behalf of myself and the ST Learners podcast, I appreciate you coming on here today and sharing your wisdom. Thank you very much, Brian, for the invite. And hopefully I'll get to see you in person here shortly. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the STL Leaders podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode with Brett Heinrich, CEO of Wings for Hope.